Volume Three, Chapter Eight of Mr. Hogarth's Will. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Mr. Hogarth's Will by Catherine Helen Spence. Volume Three, Chapter Eight. Mrs. Phillips is relieved. Mrs. Phillips had been much alarmed at the sight of Mr. Brandon almost immediately after Elsie and Mrs. Peck had gone out. He asked for Miss Alice Melville as soon as he entered, saying he had a letter from her sister and messages from the children for her, so that he would stay with Mrs. Phillips until she returned, and sat down by the window looking steadily out to catch the first sight of her. Not having her mother's inventive turn, she was at a loss how to get rid of him. Brandon must not see Mrs. Peck, and Elsie must be warned to say nothing about her to him. She sat in torture for some time, and at last, in despair, she asked him in an awkward, embarrassed way to be good enough to go for a nosegay for her, that she had been promised by a mutual friend at Richmond, that she wished very much to have. He could not help thinking something was wrong. Mrs. Phillips had always been very inconsiderate to Alice, and no doubt she had been sent to town on some errand that she was ashamed he should know about, probably to fetch a heavy parcel. So, instead of going to Richmond, he took the road on which he would be most likely to meet her, so as to assist her if possible, and as he come up to the square where Mrs. Peck and Elsie were talking, he met with a bush acquaintance, who, after the usual greetings to the return to Brandon, pointed to the two female figures, and remarked, "'There's Mrs. Peck back again to Melbourne, and a very pretty girl with her. I wonder if she brought her from Adelaide. I thought Melbourne had lost that ornament for ever, but here she is, as large as life again.' Something in the attitude and form of the girl in the distance reminded him of a person he had seen. He was sorry for the poor thing, and walked quickly towards the place where they were standing, engrossed with their important business. To his surprise and horror he found she was really the person he thought she slightly resembled, and he lost no time in coming forward to stop the conversation. Mrs. Phillips was astonished and distressed to see Elsie returned with Brandon, without Mrs. Peck. Where they had met, and how they had got rid of her, she could not imagine. Elsie went to take off her bonnet and return to her work, and Mrs. Phillips was left alone with Brandon. At his first word, his first question, how could she let Alice Melville go out of her house with a woman so well known in Melbourne as Mrs. Peck, Mrs. Phillips burst into tears. "'I could not help it, indeed, I could not help it. Stanley will be so angry if you tell him, and I am sure I did all I could do to keep her away. But she would come, and she would take a fancy to Alice, and sit with her, and then, when I sent Alice out for buttons, she would go with her. "'But why have you had her here at all, Mrs. Phillips?' said Brandon, gravely. "'You must know that she is no fit person to be in your house, particularly in Mr. Phillips's absence. Confide in your good husband. If there is any part of your past life that you are afraid of her telling, believe me, you will not better yourself by keeping in her power. Tell your husband everything, and shake yourself free of this dangerous woman.' "'Stanley knows everything.' everything about me, but he said I never was to speak to her again, and I am sure I never wished to, but how can I help it when she will come, and she is my own mother? But don't tell anybody, for Stanley would be so vexed. I don't keep anything from him. Don't blame me with that, Mr. Brandon. Your mother, said Brandon, oh, that alters the case. I know that she is not good, and not respectable, and all that, but she went on so that I was terrified to refuse her leave to come here to do some sewing. If Stanley had not thought she was in Adelaide, he would never have left me here. Everything goes wrong when he leaves me. There, when he went to America, we had the scarlet fever, and I lost my dear little Eva, and now there is all this trouble. 
Oh, I wish I had gone up to Wiriwilta. I would have done just as well there. But don't tell Mr. Phillips about this. I would rather tell him myself. He has been good to me, so very good to me. You cannot think how good he has always been to me. I do not keep things from him. Indeed I don't, Mr. Brandon. Brandon felt more liking to poor Mrs. Phillips in her distress and in her tears than he had ever felt before. With such a mother, and such training as she had had in her early years, much could not be expected from her, and now her expressions of gratitude to her good husband touched him greatly. He had always thought her too insensible of her extraordinary good fortune, and in a general way so she was. But during these last few days, seeing her mother, and shrinking from her, had made Mrs. Phillips have some idea of what her life might have been if Stanley had not been so fond of her, and so generous as to marry her, and take her away from what was likely to be her fate, in such hands as those of her mother and Peck, and keep her so quiet and comfortable, and give her every luxury who could afford, and bear with her temper, her ignorance, and her stupidity, for in a vague way she knew that she had these faults. Was there ever a wish of hers that he could grant that he had refused? Even this unlucky stay in Melbourne had been at her own earnest request, and it had turned out so miserably just because he was away. Never had she loved her husband so much as at this time, when she had been displeasing him so grievously. How she had longed for courage to drive away the invader, and now, though humbled before Mr. Brandon, she was grateful to him when she thought that he could stay with her till her husband came, and that, so protected, her mother could not again visit her. No doubt Phillips will forgive you, readily, when you tell him the truth, and I forgive you, too, under the very distressing circumstances in which Mrs. Peck placed you, though I did feel very indignant at your allowing the girl whom I love, and whom I mean to marry, to go to Melbourne with such a person,' said Brandon. "'You mean to marry Alice?' said Mrs. Phillips. "'Yes, and she has consented to have me.' "'Well, she is a good girl,' said Mrs. Phillips, "'and I am sure I wish you happy with her.' I know you will get on better with her than with Harriet, for she is always so much taken up with herself, and never thinks about other people. The way she treated me when I was left here with her was shameful, but I'll not tell Stanley about it if I can help it, for I have got enough to vex him about without grumbling at his sister that he thinks so much of. But I like both of the Melvilles, and they were both very good to my poor little baby as died in scarlet fever, you know. We'll never get a husband for Miss Melville, for the gentlemen are all frightened of her, but it is just as well, for she is a capital governess, Stanley says, and the children like her, but they like Alice best. And Miss Phillips and Dr. Grant appear to be making it up as fast as possible, said Brandon, if I may judge from what I saw and heard at Wiriwilta. I am sure, Mr. Brandon, you never saw such goings-on all the time he was in town. They were together continually, and when he left Melbourne she said she would like to go up the country too. I really don't think Stanley would have liked it. "'Perhaps they are engaged,' suggested Brandon. "'Perhaps they were, but I think Harriet would have told me that, for she'd have been so proud of it, and I really think it was my dues to hear the first thing besides.' "'I have told you the first thing,' said Brandon. "'I have not been more than half an hour accepted. "'Well, I am glad you have told me. I will miss Alice dreadfully, though. I suppose it will be soon,' said Mrs. Phillips. "'As soon as I can persuade her to take me for better or worse,' said Brandon." "'Oh, she won't need much persuading. Such a good marriage for her as it is,' said Mrs. Phillips, who fancied she knew something of human nature. "'Emily will want to be bridesmaid. She is so fond of both Alice and you. Of course she will wish it, and of course she will have her own way, as usual. But with regard to Mrs. Peck, will you or shall I tell Alice the relations between you and her? I should like you to be justified to her.' "'Oh, I'll tell her. 
I must wish her joy, and then I will tell her. And, Mr. Brandon, will you be good enough to stay in the house as much as you can till Stanley comes down from Rewilta? And then you will be able to send Mrs. Peck away, for I am too frightened of her to do it myself. I'll go and speak to Alice now. Do, and send her in to speak to me, for I have got some business of hers that I must attend to, and I must have some directions from her. Business? said Mrs. Phillips, incredulously. I dare say you have got plenty to say to her, but I don't think as it's business. At the sight of Alice, Mrs. Phillips' tears burst forth afresh, and for the second time in her life, the very first was on the occasion of Ava's death, when she had felt Alice so very kind, she threw her arms around one of her own sex for sympathy and consolation. "'My dear Alice, forgive me. I could not help it. I was so frightened. You must not tell anybody, even your sister, about it. But that woman is my own mother, and I could not get her to go away. I did not like your being so much with her, but I could not help it, for she would do it. Do forgive me.' "'Certainly. I forgive you from my heart,' said Elsie. "'And Mr. Brandon has told me all about you and him, and I really wish you joy. You are going to have a good husband. Not so good a one as mine, but still a very good one.' "'Thank you, Mrs. Phillips. I hope to be able to make him happy. At least I will try my very best to do so,' said Elsie. "'And you must make allowances for me, for you can see now how I was brought up. I know I have been very often cross with you, but you must forgive all these old things, and I suppose it had better be before we leave Melbourne.' We must write for Emily to come down, for she will want to be bridesmaid, and Mr. Brandon says she shall, and we must set to get your things all in a hurry. "'There's time enough to talk of all these matters,' said Elsie. "'I have scarcely begun to believe that I am engaged yet.' "'Oh, but Mr. Brandon wants to speak to you on business, and what other business can there be? So go into the drawing-room, and he will perhaps show you that there is some need to think of these things.' But Mr. Brandon did not bewilder Elsie with asking her to fix any time, though he was determined to be married before going out of town, if possible. But he had to get from her extracts from her uncle's will, which she recollected nearly word for word, and instructions as to how to proceed with Mrs. Peck. Also, as much as she knew of Mr. Hogarth's letters to Madame de Vericourt, to show the relations between him and Elizabeth Ormistown, so far as she knew of them. There was also a good deal of other talk to go through on subjects personal to themselves, which they both thought exceedingly interesting, and Brandon would not believe, till he looked down at his watch, that he had kept Mrs. Phillips out of her own drawing-room for two hours. End of Volume 3, Chapter 8